She Did a Her Way podcast, episode 244. Don't make this social media mistake with Stacey Harris. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Boleyn, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Question, did you turn your hobby into a business? Have you battled with staying true to who you are while trying to make your brand successful? Are you overwhelmed with the white noise on social media and want to break through it to reach your customers? Can I get an amen? Yes. Today's guest, Stacey Harris, is a social media strategist, teacher, podcast host, and speaker who has faced these same challenges. Stacey focuses on the why and the how of social media, cutting through the noise, and producing results. So make sure you tune in to hear how her quote-unquote hobby turned into her social media brand and learn how to incorporate some of her savvy social expertise into your business. A few things that we're going to cover in this episode, of course, and many more, is Know when to have a self heart to heart if your business isn't aligned with you. Discover the three questions to ask during any point of your social media journey. Hear the biggest social media mistake you don't want to make and uncover the answer to when is it the best time to post. Alrighty, friends, welcome. We've got another episode. We've got the lovely, the Stacey Harris with us on the podcast today and I'm excited to bring her on based on what I know about her and everything that she's done I just immediately gravitated towards the things that she pointed out and I'm like I know you guys are gonna find value in it I'm gonna find value in it so Stacy, here we are I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, why don't I like you talk about you getting value? Because that was always my favorite part of when I had guests on my show. It was always super selfish. Like it was somebody I really wanted to talk to. And I just hope the listeners also enjoyed it. Right. I was always like, I just really wanted to talk to this person. I thought I'd let you guys listen. Well, that it kind of is. I mean, when people are like, how did you start the podcast? Why did you start it? And my whole thing, like we launched in January 2015 and in 14, I had been traveling a lot as an independent contractor and I just felt really lonely and disconnected. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, oh, well, here's this really great medium. I'm going to interview people so I can selfishly feel connected. And whether it's selfish or not, it's just like, you know, why not have other people tune in and listen? And then we all get great value from it. And yeah. So there is something to be said to listening to interviews, making us feel like there's like I'm an extrovert and I work in an office all by myself all day. (laughs) So listening to podcasts, sometimes my people send me like stimulation. I'm like, there are other people. I'm okay. Yeah, you're like, I'm actually not alone. I've got my friend so and so here hanging out with yeah. me, <laughs> tuning in. But um, why don't you share what it is that you do currently, and then we'll walk and or kind of back into your story and what led you to this moment. Cool. So I am a social media strategist. Basically, what I do is is I focus on the why and how of social media so that you can cut through the noise and actually start seeing results. Um, so generally, people work with me um, right before they start working with a social media manager or because they have some sort of social media team or marketing team in place um, that doesn't quite get the social media part of it um, or doesn't quite get the big picture strategy of how this builds into their emails and their sales funnels and their content marketing. Uh, so that's the role I fill now. Um, it was I started my business originally 
seven years ago. I did not start doing this, um, which we'll talk about, I'm sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's what I do now is I, I, I teach and I, I build strategies for, for clients. Okay. Well, let's dive into then how did you find your yourself in this like social media role and what were you doing prior to it that led you to this moment? So as far as social media, if we go way, way back, um, I went to college to be an audio engineer. Um, and when I got out of school, um, I started working for a record label and my job was to find bands to submit to a web radio station well before there was Apple Music and Spotify. There were, you know, really horrible, unattractive web pages where you could go listen to music. <laughs> and this label had a station specifically for music in the Phoenix, Arizona area, which is where I grew up. Um, and so my job was to connect with bands at 19 years old and go to their shows and try to get them to submit music. And so I used MySpace to find bands. So oh my gosh. I didn't realize this <laughs> until like probably a couple of years ago, but I really have only ever used social media from a business perspective. Um, and so that's, that's what I did originally is, is I used MySpace. We all remember MySpace, although it does still is exist. It a, I was going to say, is it cool. around? <laughs> Yes, Justin Timberlake invested in it very heavily, like five or seven years ago now. Interesting. Um, and it it still exists. It it is a thing. I have not looked at it in quite a while, so I don't know how good of a thing it still is. But it's not. It's a shell of what it once was. With this, remember the horrible like like graphics you could put on your profile and oh like my... floating things and the terrible pictures we used as profile photos. Um, I mean, you could only, I feel like I remember you could only upload a certain amount of photos or something. I don't know. Maybe. I'm yeah. So that you'd up. have to like curate it. You had, yeah. to, you had to keep it on point. <laughs> That's so And of funny. course we didn't have like selfie, you know, capable cameras like we have with the iPhones and stuff now. So it was always like a picture of you in like a mirror somewhere. <laughs> you like had to scan them in. Oh. You had to scan yeah. them into your computer and then upload them to MySpace. I remember, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. It was terrible. It was, it's way bit taken away back. But my, from a business come. perspective, <laughs> you, seriously, technology, thank you. Um, so skipping forward a little bit, I uh, got married and I had a kid and I had been a stay-at-home mom for a couple of years, but I didn't really have a desire to go back to doing anything I had done previously, but I did miss the part of my brain that functioned as an adult, as an outside of my mom role. Uh, and so I started looking at things I could do from home and that really led me to being a virtual assistant. And so that was seven years ago. Yeah. 2011. Mm -hmm. Um, I started freelancing and then I built a business and I realized that more and more of my clients were asking for social media support. So I started learning more and more and more about it. And I realized that I was actually really good at it. And I actually enjoyed when Facebook made changes or there was a new network and, Hey, you know, what are we supposed to do with this? And so again, I started learning more and more. I shifted my social or my VA business into a social media marketing um, management kind of business. Um, and then that evolved into doing more teaching and speaking. And so now I do some strategy consulting, um, where I actually build strategies for clients. Um, and then we're, we're partnered with a couple of VA agencies that offer management. So we don't do any management in-house anymore. Uh, and then I have a man uh, membership site where I actually teach. And so it kind of evolved over time as I realized more and more things were possible and options to me. Because yeah. for the most part, we don't realize what's possible when we start our business. For me, like the idea of starting a business was so outside of my comfort zone that what it could be was not even on my radar. Um, but yeah, so it just kind of evolved over time as, as my skills grew and I, I got more and more clear about what parts I liked best and that I was best at. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the road. Yeah. It's, okay. So let's back. That's an um, 
I'm going to dive into some of those big chunks or pieces as you transition from when you started as a VA and like, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that you started out as more of like bringing extra money for toddlers education and vacation here and yeah. there. Like, when did you realize that you had something more than a quote unquote hobby? So you're exactly right. I, I genuinely started my business with the idea that I would make extra money for vacation and like save for my, my son's education for, for college and whatnot. Um, and then it, I, I've, I've been extremely lucky in the sense that I've always had really great clients. I've never had a hard time finding clients or, or, or connecting with people for that kind of thing. Um, and so it just kept growing, like, because I didn't really put any sort of limits on it. It just, I just kept getting new clients or expanding my clients packages, um, or engagements with me. And so I was like getting to a point where I was working like, 14 and 15 hours a day. And I was like, I don't think that this is just the thing I'm doing for extra money anymore. (laughs) So so it's like, maybe I should structure this. And so the only way to sort of get, I was still, I was still um, essentially freelance at the time. I was just sort of, you know, working on a contract basis, shoving myself into people's businesses, essentially. Um, And I was like, maybe I should organize this and give it some kind of structure. Uh, And so we built the actual VA business. um, And I started, you know, raising my prices and structuring my time and, and paying attention to how I was getting clients and signing contracts with those clients because doing that is important. Yes. Um, <laughs> Cause these are the lessons we learn the hard way when we have no idea what we're doing. Um, and so I, it kind of, it, it kind of kept growing and growing and growing. And there were times where I, I had some serious growing pains with it, but I, I started, the more I started to take it seriously, the more I realized like this could be an actual thing. And We'd been running the business for a couple of years and I had really come to embrace the freedom that having an actual structured business allowed me to have. Um, I was not working 14 hours a day anymore, seven days a week. Um, I mean, I still to this day occasionally work the crazy long days, but not generally 14 hours. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of realized that this was a thing that we could really we could really build out. And so I started taking it more seriously. And actually, a couple of years in, we started taking it so seriously that we were like, wouldn't it be cool? And I said this to my husband, wouldn't it be cool if you like quit your job and worked with me? What <laughs> and he was say? like, yeah, that would be really cool. Um, so my husband, this is an important part of the story. My husband was a diesel mechanic. So he worked outside. And at the time, we were still living in, in Arizona. So... In the summer, when it's 120 degrees and monsoon season and it's crazy windy and all of that, was when I asked him if he thought that might be a good idea. <laughs> so I really timed my question quite well because he would have said yes to anything that meant not having to be working outside. Not, you found the pain and you leveraged it. That's right. See, it's just sales copy, guys. That's it's right. basic sales strategy. <laughs> um, and so, and he actually he really loved the idea because he saw. You know, one of the th- my son was in school by this time and, you know, we kind of were getting to a point where like if, if my son, Colin, had something going on at school, it was a no brainer that I was going to get to go. But the question was always like, do you think dad would be able to go? Mm. And so for that was a that that was a big pain point for my husband as well. And so we were in summer break and we were talking about it. We were looking we were looking towards the school year again and we we're like, well, let's figure out how we do it. Let's figure out, you know, kind of what we need to be doing. And I actually wasn't far off money-wise from what we needed to be doing. So we put a date on it and figured it out. And he joined me full-time three years ago this month, actually. Oh, my gosh. Um, 
Yeah. So it's been, we just celebrated three years like a week ago. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. It's not always easy, but it's always great. Um, How do you guys balance that? I'm just, because if you work together, do you guys find that you work well together? Are you, do you ever take breaks from each other? I'm just curious as to what it would be like to work with your spouse. So first of all, before he started it, we set rules. So like we have date night. Date night means no talking about work. Like it's otherwise we'll just talk about work stuff because we're both tend towards workaholic tendencies. Um, like to the point where if we were not, if we did not have a child, we would just work all the time. Like that's just our nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so date night means no work talk. Um, and we also set rules about kind of how we, we engaged in work conversations. Um, what the structure of our business was. We got really clear on that. We're not partners. He works for me. Um, and so that was a very important distinction for us to make before it even happened. Mm -hmm. And we actually, he started working for me part time before he fully retired from his job so that we would get kind of what the experience would be. We did make the big mistake early on of trying to share an office. Mm. Not a great idea. Okay. I love you. I cannot spend 24 hours a day in the same room with him. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. well, that's what, and my, it's so funny because my husband listens to these, so he's going to hear this. But we <laughs> like, he he used to be an entrepreneur and then um, now his company got acquired from a PR company. So, But he still works at the P, like the company. And so, but they have work from home days. And mm-hmm. when we both work from home, I'm like, so I like it's a silent environment. He mm-hmm. is like the opposite. And so I like... I go nuts and I'm like, you have to go work in the communal areas because I can't handle you right now. <laughs> He's like, yeah, OK, I'm going by. <laughs> it's important, though. And and see, Charles and I, my husband, Charles and I are different. And that's what makes us work really well together, because whereas I am looking at like all the cool things that are possible and like, oh, let's do this and sort of jumping from one massive idea to another. He's like, great. Could we finish this idea first? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you, have we done X, Y, and Z things that we outlined, to, you know, to get us to that? And I'm like, whatever, I'm on, I'm on like, the okay, new thing already. On, hurry up. Let's finish oh, last. Let's go. <laughs> oh, and, and he's like, you know, making sure I show up places and, and he does a great job of like managing my inbox and my calendar and he handles all the financials and, and I just get a report now once a week, sort of like, this is what we did this week. And I'm like, this is awesome <laughs> because these are things that I don't do well. Like they're not, they're are things I do not enjoy. And so from that perspective, we work really well together. But because we work so fundamentally different and we have um, such very, very, very different skill sets, we do not work well in the same room together because we like different environments. I am probably more like your husband. I, I need music on or like the silence will yeah. kill me. Oh, see, now I, I'm like, I can't focus if I have music. Like it depends what I'm doing. But most time I'm like, I need silence and like he'll start singing like fallout boy and he's got it in his headphones yeah. and I'm like Mike Mike and he's like what I'm like yeah you're making noises again and he's like oh sorry I didn't even realize it and see I would start singing along to whatever I was listening to <laughs> and he would just look at me and then I'd start laughing or I'd be I'd be trying to record a podcast and he'd be looking at me and I'm like stop looking at me it's I'm trying to do something here <laughs> Um, or he'd be like petrified to make a noise because I'm about to, you know, talk to a client or something. And I'm like, we need separate offices. We've now gone so far now, three years later, I actually, he has an office at home and I have a separate office space that I rent, um, outside of our house. (laughs) So I had to fully remove myself. There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. That's, 
That is amazing. Okay, so three years ago, you retired the husband. He is now working for you. Um, you had noted, too, that there was a time when you like created a brand and an online persona that was in no way aligned with who you really were at the time. Yeah. And so you had a heart to heart with yourself, but what, what did that entail and what, what did that, um, bring forth? Yeah. So that was really the, the, when I was still a VA, so I was, my VA business existed for about 14 months and I had built this really fantastic brand that was doing quite well. I had a full client load. I was working a crazy amount. I, it was in every way successful on paper and I hated it because I had put together this brand that was very professional, that very much so looked like, you know, your dream, somebody working at your front desk when they walk into your, when you walk into your office. Um, and I had structured this thing where I had a job and I hated my boss, which is awkward when you're your boss. Mm. Um, and I, and I mean, it was in every sense of the word for, for any definition of success, I was successful. I was doing really well and I hated every minute of it. And so I decided to do something crazy and, um, really shift my brand and, and be more myself. And that's when we actually closed that business and opened, uh, hit the mic marketing, which is now the Stacey Harris, um, I dyed my hair pink, which I had wanted to do since I was a kid and, and transitioned a couple of the clients that fit into social media and management. Um, everybody else, we, we moved to another VA service, uh, you know, people I knew or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I decided to start using my voice and, and that's when I launched the podcast. That's when I, um, really started serving the way I serve. Uh, like I said, I dyed my hair pink and I really went sort of, all the way. My brand is still very professional. There's nothing like weird about it. Um, but, but it was me. It was, Mm -hmm. it was unapologetically me. And it was, it's interesting because it now five years later, five years and we transitioned from hit the mic marketing to the Stacey Harris and the podcast still exists, but the business is different because we do more consulting and we do a, a, my main focus is training with a membership site now, but I actually, I kind of went through it again, um, last summer because I had had pink hair for five years and I had built this thing I really loved, but the Stacey Harris persona and this pink hair didn't really feel like me anymore. It kind of felt like a caricature that I was playing. Um, and so I actually dyed my hair again. Apparently my hair is very tied into how I feel in my business, but (sighs) I dyed my hair again. You're just like, I'm all in man. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm, I'm committed. Um, I dyed my hair again and went back to my, my, it's pretty close to my natural hair color, which is red now. Is it the color that shows up on Skype? Well, yeah. No, I say, I saw your Instagram. It's really pretty. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was the sort of the next version and this, this change didn't impact my business the way it looks as much as, as the first time did. Um, but it did impact kind of how I was showing up, especially now with like, you know, Facebook live and, and Instagram stories and, and, you know, I'm on, I'm on video and photos all the time, um, as most of us are. And it, it, it allowed me to sort of show up as me and not a persona and a character. And that's really helped from a connection standpoint and a conversation standpoint is that I'm, I'm sort of. I'm, I'm again, sort of staying true to who I am and using my voice and not sort of this created 
<laughs> curated kind of thing, um, which is a big part of sort of breaking through that noise and and the 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 echo that can sometimes be business online. Um, and I, so I think when you're feeling that way, you've got to sort of figure out how to how to adjust yourself. And for me, apparently, it's coloring your hair, my hair. I don't necessarily suggest that. <laughs> But it seems to be my catalyst. There you go. I was figuring out the catalyst. So then, okay, let's dive in now. Let's spend time on the activities and things that you're running now. So you said, um, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, you're doing strategy with your clients and then you have your membership site where you teach um, your members and then you also have the Stacey Harris, like you've got your podcast and everything. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Uh, no, not well. I speak. I, speak. I, I speak a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, but really, that's it. We've got the podcast, and then the membership site is kind of the natural upgrade to the podcast. So if you want more of the how-to instruction of the the theory we talk about on the podcast, um, then the membership site is the place to go. It's also a place to ask me questions and stuff like that. And then beyond that, I tend to work. You know, my clients who I tend to do strategies for. Um, usually, kind of have a little team in place already, whereas my members tend to be more. Uh, getting ready to hire someone or looking ahead to how they can hire someone and they want to know sort of how to keep up and survive. Um, so we kind of, we have, we kind of have assets to help you wherever, wherever in the journey you are. Um, because I think in different places in your business, you have different needs. I certainly know for me, that's been the case with everything from coaching to, you know, to scheduling software, to email management software, to, you know, who I, who I had on my team kind of as we evolve, our needs evolve. And so depending on kind of where you are is how we can help you. Mm-hmm. What would you say, I mean, what is like the holy grail if you could name one thing, which I don't even know if that's possible given what social media is offering today, but can you give us like your sense and opinion as to like the pulse on social media, where it's heading, where it's at, and what my listeners can do in their business to even level up or in in um invest in their like social media strategy i think where we see social going and and i think this is evident even in content in in the rise of podcasts and video popularity is is acting like a human even if your brand is is a is a company brand and you're not a personal brand it has a personality and i think showing up in a way that is is real to that and having actual conversations, not just constant one-way sales pitches will differentiate you very quickly. And we see the networks really favoring that from a perspective of conversation and and engagement. And so it's really got to be key that you're not just broadcasting at people anymore. You're, you're, you're leading conversations, you're leading, um, you know, community growth and engagement and I think when you can shift into that mindset, A, you'll start to enjoy your social media a little more because it's a lot more fun to talk to people than at people in my experience. <laughs> yeah. um, but also <laughs> you'll get better you'll get better results because we also prefer to be talked to instead of at from a consumption standpoint. Um, so I think that's where we're really seeing it's sort of a, a, a really like 10,000 foot view um, of it is, is it's got to be about connection and conversation. And, and here's the deal is having that connection and conversation comes from first establishing a really solid strategy, knowing, you know, the, the, the three questions to ask yourself, no matter where you are in the social media journey is first, who are you talking to? 
who is your ideal client? And I know we always resist that. I mean, I've been in business seven years and I just went through this exercise again recently um, with my coach because we kind of were streamlining some stuff in 2018. And I still hate this exercise, but it's so <laughs> critical because it literally answers all the other questions. Um, so figure out who you're talking to. And then number two, figure out what you want them to do. Figure out what you're selling them. And, and then number three, how best do you deliver that, that information? Is it video? Is it written word? Um, you know, is it an, an audio? Great. We can turn any of those things into really quality content. Um, it, really, we can turn all of it into great video content. It just is a different process. Um, but once you can figure out those three things, you can really up-level kind of what you're doing, no matter where you're at right now. What are some common mistakes that you see people doing? In terms of social trying media. to be all the places all the time talking to all the people because the biggest frustration with social media from a consumption standpoint from from the standpoint of our audience is that there's just too much there's so much nonsense and so when you're trying to talk to everyone everywhere and be everything for them you tend to just contribute to like the white noise of the news feed, whether that's an Instagram feed or a Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. Um, whereas when you show up with a real clear picture of who you're, ta who you're talking to, what you're saying and how you deliver content, you're going to break through and you're going to connect with the right person. You know, I think we tend to want to talk to all the people in all the places because we think that'll give us even more chances to get business. But it just drown. It's just completely drowned out. Whereas when we get really specific, the right people will hear us, um, and and that's where we start to see results. Mm -hmm. What are like some of the things that you've learned over the past year with like social media or even email marketing? In addition to social media, I guess to email marketing that you could lend some insight on how we can set up our funnels or things to keep in mind or like what are I'm asking like so many questions right now because they're all coming to my brain, but maybe like a jump start guide of like three things you can do right now. Well, I think the three things is is really starting out with that clarity of of who you're talking to, where you're talking to them, uh, and what you want them to do. Because once you know those things, it's really easy to set up a sales funnel because now we're figuring out who we're talking to. So we know what they need, you know, what problem we're solving for them. We figured out where we're talking to them where we're talking to them is the top of the funnel. That's how we get traffic to whatever opt-in or sales or whatever it is. So that's got to be your second step is where are we sort of finding these people? Um, and then where do you want them to go? There's the bottom of your funnel. So now you just kind of kind of fill in the middle steps. And you do that by, again, going back to who is my ideal client and what is their big problem. So, you know, ultimately our jobs, we, we all have the same job. It's to get our clients from problem to solution. And we do that incrementally through a lot of different things. At the beginning, we're doing it through free content. So that could be social media stuff. That could be um, content from your blog or your podcast or a video series. That could be, um, you know, opt-ins like freebies, like a checklist or a video training series or a webinar, whatever that is. And then incrementally, it goes into paid stuff. So those could be coaching calls. Those could be downloadables. Those could be, um, you know, a paid training series, whatever it is. And we sort of, depending on how we work with them from a paid perspective, that kind of changes the end. But ultimately, we're all going down the same path from problem to solution. 
And really that journey is your sales funnel. So figure out, okay, how do I incrementally move them from where they're at right now closer to where they want to be? Fill in those those pieces and, and that's where you're going to get the content you need to create and the email series and, and those kind of things. But it, it really does come back to those three those three things we talked about, which is who are we talking to? What do they need? How do we solve that? Mm-hmm. What um, when you're talking problem to solution, so we all have the same underlying steps around that. I'm curious, like for you, um, since you are educating people in your group, how do you go out and find or notice or teach? I guess I'm asking like to your group, like. How do you know when something's changing with an algorithm or how to do something and stay ahead of it so that you can then turn and educate your members? So for me, I actually read all of the crazy stuff that like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter share on their on their websites. Mm. Um, I also have, you know, my favorite sources from information, but a lot of it, but the best practices stuff is testing. We're always testing something. We're always trying something new. Um, and it, it, that's the biggest thing I teach people is here's the thing is there's a hundred people that will give you 200 different answers as far as best practices, because everybody's kind of, you know, got their, their take on it. But ultimately the best way to figure out what's going to work for you is look at the data you already have. You know, those Facebook insights and Google analytics, and all that stuff that's available to you start reading those, um, because that'll tell you the answer. The thing that drives me crazy above all else is the most common question I get is like, what is the best time for me to post on Facebook? (sighs) I will answer that question for you right now. Open your insights, go to the people section, and there's a big graph that looks like a whale that will tell you when your people are online. When it's high, that's when you should post. (laughs) Like there's no general right answer. It just depends on when your audience is consuming content. You know, I have a a client who is an e-commerce business and they sell products to, to, to moms, to young moms. So, um, well, moms of young children, rather. Um, and they tend to be online at 7, 8 o'clock at night. Guess what? My audience doesn't tend to care at all about my stuff at 7 or 8 o'clock at night because they're with their families or they're with their significant others or they're, you know, zoned out, you know, watching TV or whatever. And so it's completely different. So the idea that we share one general magic time it's kind of a falsehood. So start looking at your numbers. Start seeing what the best practices are in your business based on the data you have already. You know, when you hear someone tell you a best practice, test it for 30 days and see what happens. Um, there's, there's, that's probably the best way we get information is we're always testing things. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned Google Analytics and then now in the Facebook, the insight area. Mm-hmm. I mean, are there other places that we can gather data that maybe we might not know about or that's not common for us? Yeah. So all the major networks have stats built in in some way or another, some better than others. Um, A lot of my information comes from Google Analytics. I also have a tool called True Conversion, which a digital marketer puts out um, that allows me to do things like heat maps and see actual recordings of how people are engaging on my website. Um, So I can see kind of where people are maybe falling off on a sales page and, and not scrolling anymore and not reading anymore. Um, 
I can see where traffic is coming from. So those kind of tools. And there's, I like True Conversion. There's also Lucky Orange and about a bazillion um, other ones you can use. There's another one that I can't remember the name, another heat map tool that I can't remember the name of right now. But but there's a lot of options. Um, also, I use eClincher to actually do all of my scheduling. And that's got some built-in analytics. So some of your your scheduling tools may have analytics built in. I know Buffer does, Hootsuite does. Um so start looking at some of that data and that'll that'll be nice because it'll if you especially if you're scheduling for multiple networks, it'll sort of put your data in one place for you so you're not having to jump from network to network. Uh, but I, I like a lot of those tools. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like I'm interrogating right, you right now. I'm just so fascinated. So I apologize if it comes off as like, where were you at the night of whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, no, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. Well, talk to us then too, like paid advertising and what is... What's the trend? What have you learned? What are some things for us to look out for? What should we do? Or what can we do? I guess I don't want to say should, but what might we do? So for for me, I think the big thing right now with paid advertising is that it's, it's really no longer optional, um, especially with the Facebook algorithm change that just happened. Some kind of budget has to be involved in your, in your Facebook time, certainly. Um, but also remembering that Facebook isn't always the best option um, in most cases, especially for your audience and, and for my audience as well. It likely is. Um, but if you're somebody who works heavily B2B, you know, I we've got a member in backstage who is uh, a health coach and she goes in and talks to um, I'm trying to think like HR departments hire her to go talk to their teams about health and wellness stuff. And so she does a lot of her paid marketing on LinkedIn because she can target the people who would be making the decision to hire her because it's not necessarily the people who she's going to be talking to. It's the people who handle their, you know, wellness programs. Um, and so LinkedIn makes more sense to her than for, for her rather than Facebook does. Um, so figuring out what makes sense for you and then figuring out your budget is going to be really key. The really good news is though, is it's literally never been cheaper to, to run paid marketing. If you think about, you know, we were talking back to MySpace days, mm-hmm. the best way to run paid marketing then was to buy commercial time on radio or TV or billboards or in the newspaper or the yellow pages, which was not super cheap. And there was literally no way to track it. There was no way to track it, and there was also no way to target it. So you just kind of had to hope that the right people showed up yeah. in front of it or <laughs> turned the radio on at the right time. I mean, we've all seen the commercials where we're like, really? This this is playing on this station or really yes. this is playing during this movie? I'm like, well, sometimes really? I'm like watching things if I'm on Netflix or whatever, and I'm like, how in the world did they put this in front of me? Like, what is this saying right now? <laughs> And what's hilarious to me is like it's it, it, TV marketing is still pretty like even with the, the streaming services. So I watch Hulu a lot um, and I where my where my offices are Internet is managed through their home office, which is actually in Texas. So I get all of these local Texas commercials. Oh, my God. In Southern California. <laughs> the- I'm like. We really need to work on the targeting here, people. But even that's better than it once was, right? Even if there's maybe a slight error sometimes. But with Facebook and with LinkedIn and with Twitter and with Instagram, we can literally target it down to one person if we want to. Uh, you know, I run retargeting ads all the time. So people who have biz- visited a sales page or maybe listened to the podcast but didn't make a purchase, I'll run an ad to them and be like, hey, 
you still you still want that thing? Because I still have that thing for you. Because <laughs> the copy is slightly better than that. But the point stands. I can pay to just put it in front of people who've already you know seen me or talked to me. Uh, and so that's really that's a really cool thing, and a and an option we've never had before. So maybe don't get so upset about the idea of having to do some paid advertising, and instead start start seeing what you can do with it. Yeah, I'm looking at it in a different light. Do you see anything else on the horizon? I mean, as like I would, I mean, I view you as an insider in terms of like what you know as social media. Is there anything that is piquing your personal interest about? advertising in a way that we market? I think it's going to be more important than ever in the next couple of years that we not just target the right audience, but also we pay attention to what we're putting in front of them. I think for the last couple of years, we've gotten away with putting so-so copy or a, a pretty good, you know, speak to them kind of graphic to a pretty general target audience. And it kind of works out most of the time. What we're going to see now is there's going to be more people marketing. So it's going to be even more important that we do things like segment our email lists and segment our targets down. You know, when I when I run Facebook ads, so I'm going to I'm going to get kind of jargony here, but stay with me. Yeah, when I run a Facebook ad. I've got one campaign. So let's say the campaign is to drive traffic to my membership site. Right. So the, the, the campaign is the goal. We want to drive traffic to hit the mic backstage. Inside of that, I will have several ad sets and the ad sets determine sort of our targeting and our location. So where I want them to see the ad and who I want to see the ad. And so I will have really tight targeting. Like I want women 30 to 40 who, you know, have X, Y, and Z interest to see this on Instagram. And then I will craft an ad to speak specifically to that market. And then in the next one, I'll say, okay, I want women maybe 40 to 50 to see this ad copy. And their interests may be the same, but their ages are different. And so my copy speaks to a slightly different pain point because my audience who is 30 to 40 tends to be a little more comfortable than my audience who's 40 to 50 when it comes to social media. It's just knowing my audience. It, co it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, knowing exactly who you're talking to and you're working with. So for me, I think that's the next trend we see where people are starting to really customize their message to a specific group of people. And the same happens with our email marketing. You know, when I'm sending my emails, I'm leaning more and more towards I'm sending what I may be sending you to the same podcast, but the email I sent you that links to that podcast is got one set of copy for one audience and another set of copy for another segment of my audience because they both want the same solution, but they're thinking about it differently. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Um, so just so like, so I get the lingo correctly, like you're saying in Facebook, you've got your one major campaign. And then under that, you have different ad sets based on the persona or your target market that you're working with. Right. Yeah. And then inside of those ad sets, I'll have different ads. So it kind of like, like a tree with the root system. Let's say the tree is the is the campaign. That's the goal. This is we want a tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so our then we'll kind of funnel out into ads and then gen or our ad sets rather. And then our ad sets will sort of start to stem their own little root areas. And that's how we get sort of our get down to our ads. But we need all three pieces really for our tree to thrive. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, okay. I did a, gosh, this is probably, we're in 2018 now. I would say, I think back in 2013, 14, I was working as um on a project doing sales training for a call center 
for large, well, AT&T. And it was, we went in and did training, like persona training, because they were able to understand and segment their market. And so then they educated their call center reps to speak to that customer as one of the six different types of personas so that they could actually Mm -hmm. close more sales. It totally works because the way that you communicate, or in this case, write your copy and your ads and whatnot can, can convert to more sales. Um, there was one more. Oh, okay. So the la- one of the last questions too, just from the email marketing standpoint, what, um, what is the best way to go about understanding the segment of the marketing is, or it, when it comes to email, do you find that you segment it from the beginning based on a campaign you're running or what happens if you just have a general inbox or general email sign up? Like how do you segment within that general camp, like giveaway? Yeah. So I don't have just any place where you can just opt into my list for funsies. Um, there are, that there you... are different. <laughs> yes. Okay. Is it funsies that you liked? Okay. No, I love the funsies, but I, it was like, well, we don't do that for fun. We actually, ha- I was like, okay, yes. I yeah. Love funsies. No, I totally, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's no place to just like, just sign up. Everything goes through an opt-in because ultimately my big goal, and I'm I'm just going to be super transparent with you. Yes. My please. ultimate goal is obviously to get more members backstage. That's a, that's the primary focus in my business. That's what we're trying to grow, especially in 2018. That's our big goal, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing that's on my wall right now in front of me saying, what are you doing today to get more members? Like that's the focus. So I have different opt-ins on my list, or I'm sorry, on my site, based on my most popular trainings inside of Backstage. Because again, that's the goal, is to get them from content to the membership site. And so based on which one they opt in for, they'll get, they'll, they'll be tagged. I use Active Campaign. Um, they'll be tagged in Active Campaign. And so I can send them specific copy based on that. I also have tags for people who are active members or people who are former members or people who have booked one-on-one calls with me because I'm going to have a slightly different conversation with them that I'm going to have from somebody I've never gotten a yes from before. Um, so I segment based on that. With that said, when I moved to Active Campaign three or four years ago now, I had that one big general list because I'd only ever had one opt-in. I, I didn't have a membership site yet. Um, and so I just kind of had one list. And so what I did with that was based on when they would click on a like a podcast episode, I would assign a certain interest tag. So let's say we had an episode about, fo- uh, um, about Facebook, right? Or mm-hmm. Facebook ads, because it's generally more specific than that. So let's say we had an episode about Facebook ads. Anybody who clicked the link to listen to the Facebook ads episode got that tag. And so that's how I kind of organized my list when I just had one big general list. Is I let them, I, I ran, I did that for probably a year where we just made sure there was a tag attached to every piece of content so that we could get them into some kind of segment. So if you haven't done any of that yet, the best option is to just start having them self-select, even though they don't necessarily know they're self-selecting, mm-hmm. based on what content they're choosing to consume. So then is it is it um, you're saying when you send out different emails based on the content that you're sending, like we mm-hmm. would segment it on our end, but they wouldn't know technically that we're segmenting it. Right. So like I sent out my email today because it's Tuesday and the email went out and I had an episode about Facebook not being uh, a whole a whole marketing plan. 
So I could attach a tag to that link in Active Campaign. So when somebody mm. clicks the link, a tag is added in Active Campaign. That doesn't change their experience at all. They go, they get the podcast episode, they see nothing. But right. now their you profile know. inside of Active Campaign also includes a tag that they were interested in Facebook strategy. Gotcha. So then you can continue maybe potentially like if you offer something super like related to that, you're then going to hit mm-hmm. them. Got it. And what happens most often than not is if I'm in a like a, a real push to to hit to hit them up for membership, I will send slightly different copy. The people who have like nine Facebook tags, they go, hey, there's a whole Facebook guide inside of backstage. Why don't you come check it out? The people who tag or who are more interested in podcast stuff and, and learning how to podcast, hey, there's a whole podcast guy in the backstage. Here, come check it out. So they're both getting funneled to backstage, but they're getting different sales copy. Totally. Dang, girl. That's amazing. That is like, I love how you just broke it down in such basic, here's this, this, and this to like take it. Because sometimes I feel like email marketing, online marketing, copy, and all that can be this like big thing. But it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that we have to dive into and, and do in order to run a successful business given given the type of environment that we're in. Maybe not for all, but like you said, it's maybe LinkedIn or, or Facebook. So yeah. Um, well, and, and that's honestly why I built the membership site is because it seems like so many people in my industry specifically just want to make you feel like they're smarter than them. When this really just comes down to knowing a few basic things, it doesn't have to be complicated. I won't say it's easy. There are steps that have to get taken and there's a process and it, it takes time more than anything. And I know as entrepreneurs, if you're anything like me, you're probably like super impatient. You're like, no, I want everyone to realize I'm awesome and know that this is the perfect solution <laughs> and I want them to know yesterday. But like, why um, can't I just get them like now? Like, why don't I? 20,000 people on my email list. Come on. Like that should just be the thing, right? Right. Just put um, another zero. But it, Come on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's easy. But it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to have to be the most complicated like mathematic equation that ever existed. Um, and, and so that's, that's why I built the site. So I'd be like, no, we're just going to take this one step at a time. Do A, do B, do C. We're good. Done. I love it. Oh, okay. I have one last question for you and we're going to okay. link to all of your um, links in the show notes, but I asked this on every uh, episode. What's been one of your favorite books? It could be fiction or nonfiction. Oh, so my favorite book of all time is The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't reread books very often. That is one I've read several times. Um, my favorite, if, if you, if you sort of, you're listening to this episode and you're going, I'd like to know more specifically about the kind of stuff Stacey is talking about. Um, I highly recommend any of Gary Vaynerchuk's books. Um, he's got a new one coming out that I haven't read yet, so I can't speak to it, but I'm sure it will also be awesome. Um, but I, he talks a lot about the idea of building community. Um, and so he's got, he's got some great stuff, but my favorite fiction or my favorite sort of go-to book is, uh, The Great Gatsby. I love it. Okay, great. Stacy. thank you so much for coming on the show. This is so, I just so much content and, and value. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was a good time. I hope, I hope I get to talk to you all, you know, again. Yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out sheditherherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.